It's time to get on the ice. Music City Gold is on the air. With Kyle Hancock, Daniel Mangrum, and Matt Bain. We are Smashville's best fan-driven podcast. Featuring news around the league, the Predators, and the occasional hot take or two. Part of the Penalty Box Radio Network. You're listening to Music City Gold. And welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Music City Gold on the Penalty Box Radio Network. I am your host, Kyle. With me, as always, my co-host, Daniel and Matt. Hello. Hey, guys. <laughs> he's really pointing. He's, he's fired up today. Yes, he is. And like I was going to say, boys, there's a lot of action going on, so let's get right into it. First thing, if you've been living underneath the rock, Pecorine has retired. Yeah. I, I mean, there's been so much since our last episode. Um, this is going to be very impressive if we can fit all this into it. But yes, the biggest marquee moment probably for us in the past couple of weeks has to be Pecorino retiring the cornerstone of our organization for basically the last 12 years I mean 15 seasons in the NHL he's got a Vesna trophy he's won so many awards and accolades and the only thing he did not get is the Stanley Cup yeah it's it that is very sad uh, I remember there was actually like some sort of post-game pressure with with Poyle, where he actually said he actually got a little emotional too when Peck came to him talking about, you know, retirement. Um, but that said, he was like, now that, you know, he's kind of built the foundation for the Preds over the last several years and kind of made the organization is what it is today because of him. And because of that, you know, we need to go win one for him. And yeah, I think even Peck went on record by stating like, as soon as we do win one, he would be the first in the parade to, to be down there, which would be a very special moment for us. But I, I mean, it, it was definitely hard to watch. There were some highlight reels that came out too. There were some tearjerker moments. It's, um, I mean, he meant everything to the franchise. I mean, he'll be probably be the first Jersey retired up in the rafters. Um, he'll probably have a statue outside of Bridgestone arena. I mean, he is, you know, every great organization and Matt's not his head has like the foundation player, like the one that really propelled them like, like Red Wings, Gordy Howe, you know, like, uh, I mean, th- these are, cornerstone players for the franchise forever and um that said pekka has definitely earned his stripes with our organization and it's well due yeah it's going to be very sad to see him go he i don't know what more to add i like i said we were all kind of emotional about it it's it's going to be tough because this has been the last more than 10 years. Anytime you go to the arena, you know, Rene, even though, you know, goalies aren't captains, he's kind of like your guy. He's your staple figure. He's the one who's been here for a long time, even more than the captains. He's been around for three or four or five captains or whatever it is. He's is. He's been the staple. So all the memories we have of going to Bridgestone, a lot of those involve Pecorine. He's kind of been the, uh, the stalwart, strong and steady guy who's been there for so long. So I'm glad to see him at least retire and not get traded his last year. I love it when players play their entire career for one organization. And I was—I did find it interesting to note they gave him this year the, I forget the name of it. Clancy. The Cl- King Clancy, yes. The award for a charitable works basically on and off the ice. I think he started some type of a charity organization with uh, Shea Weber a couple of years ago. Yeah, it was a 365 fund for and, the pediatric uh, cancer. Yeah. And uh, I wonder if that was kind of a hat tip to him knowing that this was very likely going to be his last year and he may or may not, you know, win a cup. They, he got a Vesna, but this was just kind of another another feather in his cap to give to him. And he he rightly deserved it. But I wonder if they kind of saw the writing on the wall and said, 
let's go ahead and give a nod to him and it'll be a nice send-off package if he happens to retire this year. Yeah, and there were so many quotes too. I don't know. Did you guys able, were you able to catch the Players' Tribune article? The that was a actual, great article. The actual full write-up. So I had a couple excerpts from that. And once again, it was interesting seeing his take on Soros basically coming on the scene and actually Soros pushing him, actually, because he says that if Soros doesn't probably join the team, it doesn't push him to win that Vesna in 2018, which I found very interesting. Um, and it was funny because he was talking about Soros and his relationship with him and basically how he knew that, like, he was the next one. Like he basically said, when the kid comes to you and says he's been watching you on YouTube and has a picture, a poster of you in his bedroom at home in Finland, you know, it's probably about time to start looking for retirement. Um, but one of the excerpts out of this had to be his closing statement, which was just, uh, and I can read it here really quickly. Uh, it basically was the closing of the article. And I mean, you can't not look at him and be like, first of all, this guy's top notch, like world class, like, just a good dude overall. Like, you know, like one of those guys that everyone's a friend in the locker room. But he said, I quote, uh, and for my teammates throughout the years, there's uh, more than I can ever thank, uh, but I've made friends with so many of you and I'll cherish that forever. But most of all, as I skated around Bridgestone Arena for the final time, I was thankful for the people of Nashville. I hope that after all these years, you could see from the stands that all I ever wanted was to be a great teammate and a player who gave everything for the city he loved. That's it. You helped me grow into a man and a father and the person I am today. All I can say is thank you and I'll see you again. Pega. I mean, that says it all. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, when when basically, like, the guy literally states that, like, all he ever wanted to be was a good teammate and be able to show Nashville how much he cared about it. It's crazy. He's not even, by the way, he's not even going back home to live in Finland for most of the time, he actually is staying in Nashville. So he said he's going to split most of his time going back and forth because a lot of times these players retire and then they leave. He's like, no, I'm looking forward to watching games at Bridgestone. Like they are coming back to live in Nashville permanently, which is super nice. Like, I, you know, he's going to be involved in the organization probably years down the road. You know, give him some time. Let the kids grow up a little bit. You know, we'll, we'll figure out what's what's going to happen. I would love to see him return as a goalie coach or something. That would be Awesome. I mean, like, honestly, like, you know, Poyle and everybody would open him, would basically have arms wide open, you know, for whatever, whatever position he wanted. But that said, I mean, it's been a tearjerker and it's just so sad to watch him retire. But I have to ask, what is your favorite P.E.K.K.A. moment, Kyle? Simple. The goalie goal. Okay. That's an easy one. I mean, that really is. Well, okay. When you start talking about favorite memories... There are so many saves. If Okay, I'll change my mind then. If we're not going to allow the goalie goal. There's the Scorpion one. Do you remember that one? Yes, that's a, that's where I was going. Oh, when he scorpions. literally just did that whole yeah. Scorpion that type thing across the ice to get that to save that puck. That was I, amazing. I don't even still know how he did that. Where he like, he saw it flip over his head and he just kind of like, I don't know, like threw his arm with the, I mean, that's crazy. I mean, Matt, what? Well, the one that pops out to my mind, you said the goalie goal. The one that sticks out to my mind is the knob block. Oh, that the, people yes, talk about the knob block. And I, yeah. I thought the scorpion was more impressive, but everybody was really infatuated with that. The top of the knob uh, uh, of a stick block. I was block actually at the arena for that one. And I remember like my heart literally stopped because I, it was almost like everything was in slow motion and that knob just came down and, and, and just perfectly hit the puck on the side of the net. That is absolutely crazy. I remember that one too. So my pe- favorite peck moment, 
Kyle, you and I were there in the Stanley Cup Finals. And mostly because I got to hear the reaction post-game from Finland. And it was a breakaway with Sidney Crosby, one-on-one with Peck. And we were right above it, too, because we were in the family fun zone, okay? So we get all the way up there. And basically, it's that breakaway with Sidney Crosby, and the, it's the Finnish uh, announcer afterwards, and he is literally losing his mind because Peck made like, it was like three saves in a row. Do you remember this? Yes, I it do. It was like, Sidney comes in first, he stonewalls him, and then Peck actually slides out of the net. And then there's like a wave of Penguins players coming, and he dives back to into the net to block like two or three more. And you and I were right above it, and literally everyone is just chanting Pekka. The, the stadium is literally freaking out. We ended up winning that game and tying it up. But the best call was afterwards in Finnish. One of the best calls I've ever heard. I mean, it was like a soccer announcer for yeah. hockey, but he was so fired up. And the only thing you could understand was Pecorine because he's like just run, rattling it all off. And all of a sudden he's like, Pecorine. And you're just like, yes, this is great. This is literally the best thing ever. They love him in Finland. I, I mean... That has to be my favorite moment, especially the call. I, I think that is more what made it for me. But man, just, yeah, just too many. You good can ones. tell how how honored he is there by how excited the guy was. It was like you accidentally switched to like the Hispanic soccer channel, like oh, you dude, said. Yeah. It was it was very much like that. And to hear that amount of excitement, you know he's he is a huge deal in Finland. Oh, so he is a big deal. So when I was up there for the it was the what was it the World Championships when I was in Finland studying abroad, I brought my Peck jersey, bro. You want instant street cred in Finland? You just wear that sucker around. And they're like, oh, they, don't, they can't even speak your language. Pekka. Like, that's, that's right, it. Baby. That's it, baby. Like, all you had to do is just flash that sucker around. You got whatever you wanted in Finland. Like, they love him dearly. I mean, he's like a national treasure there. But that said, oh, man, it's going to be so hard. Not even, just, like, we didn't get to see him as much in the stretch. But still, just not seeing him on the sideline is going to be really difficult. But... Man, so many good memories. I got, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, I got one more quote from that article I really liked. Uh, he goes on to say that you have to remember the franchise had waited 19 years for a Stanley Cup oh, final. Yes. It had been in net for 12 of those years. I knew what that series meant to all of us. We didn't raise the cup, but we turned Nashville into a hockey town. And and I credit that. That's all on Pecorine's back. Pecorine is the movement that started turning Nashville into a hockey culture. Yeah. I totally agree with that. It, it, like I said earlier, it, he's like the Gordy Howe of our... There, of there our, def- definitely yeah. needs to be a statue outside Bridgestone. I have to agree with that. His, yeah. his, his name and number better go to the rafters too, for sure. Yeah, no, I, and I think it'll... Uh, they're going to give it some time to marinate, you know, just let it sit for but he will be very quickly in the rafters uh, maybe one season we'll, we'll we'll give him like one season and then hey you got to come back because we gotta we just gotta raise this this up there because there's no way they're waiting um very long on that i'll tell you one person who's not going to be getting a number raised up in bridgestone anytime soon is victor arvidson <sighs> because i knew the guy was going to get traded but i didn't think he was going to go to the kings well, it's very interesting because we had been speculating there for a bit, you know, like who could get traded, who might get exposed for the draft, which we'll elaborate here in a few minutes. So basically, what it boiled down to was the Kraken said, oh, yeah, we're definitely going to take Arvidsson if you have him exposed. So what does Poyle do? He has to deal him. 
now that said, there were some articles that come up afterwards that basically Arvidsson said he didn't felt feel like that he was being, you know, valued as the utility player that he was, like the all-around player that he was. That might be a Heinz thing, but the reality of the situation is since the Bortuzzi check in the head, like, he has not been the same and his production tailed off. And actually from that article too, didn't he blow out both MCLs? Yep. I mean, li- literally like, yeah, these both, are like almost career, career ending stuff. Like Bortuzzi, that was a nasty hit. I remember at the time we, we all agreed this was, that was a terrible hit on him. I mean, that could have potentially ended his career. It was very dirty. And since that hit, I'm sorry, he has not been the same and his production tailed off. Did I want to see him go? No. But this was the first linchpin. I mean, Peck retiring and then Arvidsson. These are the first linchpins as the dominoes started to fall because it, it man, what we're going to get into is this team got shaken up really quick and Kyle's already pulling up the next. <laughs> For those who can't see, there's a big thumbs down. Yeah, Phillips Horsberg was not happy with losing RV, and I can't blame him. But just like the next trade we're going to talk about in just a second with Ryan Ellis, to skip ahead just a minute, the team brought this on themselves. Well, I even heard <clears throat> the rumor mill has it that Arvidsson actually asked for a trade, and it could be probably because Hines didn't utilize him as the player he, he's supposed to be for whatever reason. There's, there's a multiplicity of reasons that go into that type of situation for him wanting to. And, and honestly, a player who's injured and hurt needs a fresh start. That's not uncommon. That's very common in the league for players to yeah. need a fresh start, go somewhere else. But uh, he is definitely a hometown guy. So it, people like your core roster, like Forsberg, were very disappointed to see one of their key mates leave. And that's this first breakup of the Jofa lines now officially. Like every boy band, they're officially done. Well, Joey also was upset too. And I remember in our text feed, I had a very hot take. And I was like, well, Joey, if you had actually been producing and doing what you should have been too, does Arvidsson get traded? Probably not. Like, I know that's a hot take. Like, I know Arvidsson's still been injured, but, like, if you're producing on that line as well, I don't know if they'd pull the trigger because they were very, like, they were very, like, uh, reluctant to to basically deal anyone from the Jofa line. And once the production starts tailing off, you cannot be upset when core players get traded because people are underperforming. Well, you cannot be upset. It kind of boils down to the main thing was, if, if what we're led to believe is true is that David Poyle found out that Seattle was interested in Arvison, so he had to, he basically went on record, Poyle, and said, I knew they wanted him, and I wasn't going to let him go for free. He kind of explained the in and outs of how it worked, but he basically said if, if they took him, then he got that player for nothing. They would, he wouldn't have got anything, so at least him trading ahead of time got Seattle to look at something else, and he got back a second and a third round draft pick. Yeah, so it actually gave him something for the player he was going to lose anyway. The question, though, I have about that is, for a 2021 second round draft pick and a 2022 third round pick, is that enough? Or should somebody like a prospect came as well? I'm not going to live or die on prospects. I thought a second and third was fine. Uh, Nothing, you know, huge. It wasn't a huge underpayment. It wasn't a huge overpayment. It it was fine. Yeah, and they they retained his salary. So, I mean, it's, it's not like we 
kept any. You know what I mean? I mean, yeah. we got the pro- we got the two picks and they took the full salary. And I thought it was a smart move because this was what maybe a week or two ahead of the uh, the Seattle expansion draft. I really thought it was a smart move if you're going to get rid of them. I like the get picks back because that's one less guy you have to protect and the yes. list of protection players you can protect is quite small compared to the rest of the roster, so that's just one less guy you have to fool with trying to slot in yeah. who you're protecting. And we got picks for it. And like and GMDP was in talks with Seattle and he knew that they were going to pick. So, I mean, that was the main thing is he, he wanted picks back. So uh, it, it, I think it worked out for both. I think the Kings are getting a great player. I mean, like you, you, you're not, you know, you're preaching to the choir here. People love RV here. So but at the same time, like you're getting picks back. It, but this was the first move. So pick retiring and then RV gets traded. And anytime I see picks, anytime it's not a player for a player, Anytime I see player for future picks, that always makes me think sell mode. That makes me think you're you're going you're tanking and you're planning for the future. Mm. I'm not necessarily saying that that's where GMDP is headed, but that's immediately where my mind went. And that might be some foreshadowing. A couple more dominoes fell, and we're going to start to see some very interesting pattern of events here. And I quote, a competitive rebuild. After that, that was GMDP's. After uh, he said it wasn't a rebuild. Yeah, but and, he said a competitive rebuild. And then he said competitive yeah. rebuild. Yeah. So I was like, that's very interesting. Um. So yeah, this like I said, this was the first one to kind of fall on Kyle. What was the next massive domino? This I mean, this is a blockbuster trade right here. Oh yeah, this definitely. might be the biggest one. I mean, off season. First thing, I don't think anybody on the Preds, anybody in this room, anybody listen thought that we were going to trade Ryan Ellis because he is no. one of our most beloved players. If RV was loved, Ryan Ellis was more beloved. Yeah. I mean, at one point, he was one of those players that was basically considered untouchable. You wouldn't think that David Poyle would split up the, de- the defense like that. But so, yeah, on the 17th of July, we find out Ryan Ellis has been traded uh, to the Philadelphia Flyers for defenseman Philip Myers and Nolan Patrick. Then the press turn around and flip Nolan Patrick to Vegas for Cody Glass. Yeah. This so, is, this so a three-way who, what was the net gain? Ellis for Cody Glass? Myers. So we and get Philip Myers, Myers okay. which is a younger defenseman. Right. Uh, up, up and coming younger defenseman. So just a few years younger, cheaper. Yeah, he's, and then, he's, he's a stud, dude. He was a first-round pick last yeah, year. Yeah. For, I think Vegas uh, took him, or he ended up on Vegas one no, way or the other. No, that was Myers. Glass is the other. Glass is the one from Vegas. Yeah, yeah. So Glass is the sixth overall pick. Yeah, that's yeah. huge. And he's, he's a young stud. He's 22 years old. Yeah, I thought he played very well for Vegas. I, I like this move. Ellis is, a, is an aging veteran. I'm, I'm okay with that. And he landed in Philly, which is going to be an excellent fit for him, I believe. They're going to be probably pretty solid this year, I would hope. I mean, we'll see. But I mean, if you look at Ellis's stats when he was with the Preds, you know, he's been in the Preds for 10 years. He's got 75 goals, 270 points, and he had the fifth best plus minus rating in the league. Yeah, I mean, so he's a good defenseman, and I think oh, Philly Philly did very well in getting him. I just hope that the younger players that GMDP has brought in pay off. What What I like is the pick for so Cody Glass is a rookie, or I'm sorry, now he's a sophomore. He will be. He played last year for Vegas. I like getting this player because you know that he can make it at the NHL level. I have a problem with prospects in picks because half the time they never pan out. The, half the first and second rounders is seem to fall away after a year or two or can't quite make it at the NHL level. I prefer to get younger talent after seeing one or two years sample size in NHL to know that they're at that level. So I really love the glass pickup. I thought that was excellent. I, I much prefer that as opposed to a second and a third round from the last. Now, one thing I thought was interesting, because after this was done, GMDP was given like press conferences. 
And one of the quotes he had in there is that he was concerned with how some of the players in the locker room were taking both trades, like we just talked about. I think the players see this as honestly probably against them. They don't feel like maybe GMT is not treating them fairly or I'm something. I'm sorry, but that, like I said, if you are underperforming, you cannot complain when your friends get traded. At the end of the day, it is a business. But I, I mean, it is a bit like, I, and I understand too, like Nashville has created a very family, you know, like all oh, like, but at the same time too, like they gave it the best shot they could over the last several years with the well, core group. They and actually it went working. even longer than they should Exactly. And they are still underperforming. So therefore things happen. This is the direct correlation from that. I guess you're right. Uh, I think it's just as a player, it's just frustrating because now you're seeing mixed signals where you were, you know, you're having to look behind you from the glory days now. Now you're in a season of, of possibly, you know, selling off a little bit potentially. And and I think that for, and not only that, but the key, you've got four players gone that were core identity pieces now. And that's a massive change for players who have been used to the same type of look and feel in the locker room. I think that will really shake up uh, the rest of the veterans that are left for the Preds. But like you said, you know, push come to shove, something has to happen. So that's that's what you're left with. Well, I mean, they were saying they wanted to embrace the youth movement. I mean, yeah. here we go. Like, we got a younger defenseman. We got a 22-year-old prospect from, like, an actual, not even a prospect, kind of like you were saying. He actually has some NHL experience. So a 22-year-old who's actually got some NHL games from Vegas. Like, yeah, I mean, this is what you wanted. Like, if you wanted the youth movement, well, guess what? You're about to have it because we just keep dealing players, and that gets us to the expansion draft, which... As Matt alluded to, a fourth key person left the Preds the other night. And this one, honestly, this one stings a whole lot. But let's go over the protected list first because there were some shocks on here. Okay. Like I mean, one okay. big one in particular. If you're looking at this list, protected from the Preds was Philip Forsberg. Not shocked. Not shocked. Luke. Okay. Luke Cunning, new guy. I can see keeping him. Matias Sackholm. Yep. Okay. Roman Yossi. Obviously, you want to keep your captain. UC Saros. Yep. Philippe Myers, who we just got. We just got, yeah. They're going to protect him. Dante Fabro, which I was interested in why they protected him because they didn't let him play much of the playoffs. So I was like, why would you protect somebody? It's a developmental thing. I, well, yeah. somebody alluded to it on Twitter. So first of all, we agree with the veterans on the team should be protected, but I don't understand protecting Janot, Carrier, Fabro, and Myers. Those are noobs. Why are we so... Why are we valuing them so, so high so th this is and this has been the counter like because they are very high prospect or basically this is our future they went ahead and protected them but like you got to think though like who are who else would they protect? did you want them to protect joey and duchene well, no that, that that's why it made it easier for them to protect some of these and we also protected 5d yeah, only team um, in the league to only do team, so. And I will point this out that Pierre Lebrun online, he was loving that because he was like, first of all, he actually said, he's like, Perez were the only one to do 5D and they protected basically all of the youth movement for their defensemen and their veterans still are locked in. So he did really like that move. And then he said, that's the thing because they exposed the two top things and they said, yeah. well, guess what? You either take it or leave it. Do you want our $8 million player or not? And if not, fine, we'll keep We'll keep them. So I think it was a very calculated move by yeah. by GMDP because he knew that by doing that, it basically left, which we'll get to because Joey and Duchesne were both exposed that Callie Yarncroke 
and Colton Sissons were the two very prime suspects to get selected. See, so, I would have preferred to have Colton Sissons taken and over Yarn Croak. Well, I, now that the more mm. we're thinking about it, the more I'm actually liking it because I initially took it as a players we value as far as uh, team identity. And the rookies don't add me much value or identity. But when you look at it from the other perspective, what it could be said is that we're trying to keep the cheap players and get rid of the high uh, albatross contracts to give us more flexibility on the book since this is a flat cap year. I actually like that idea quite a lot now that I'm, I'm thinking about it a little bit more. Well, yeah, and they had already gotten rid of Ryan Ellis, so we already have cap space. So it was a, it was a win-win either way, like I said. And then you have Joey and Duchesne exposed. Um, the, the-, the one exception to this protection list that I have to admit, I probably would not have protected Tanner Janot and protected Callie Yarncroc just by looking at his number. First of all, Yarncroc had like 28 points last year. Like six more than Johansson, making $8 million a year. So it is very hard for me to swallow getting rid of him because he was such a versatile player for us. But it goes along <sighs> the lines of getting rid of your, but he your fat also, contracts. Yes, but well, he wasn't a fat contract. He was only like $3 million a well, year. he's bigger than Genoa is my point. Yes, but it is a it is a larger contract. And on top of it, uh, I believe, uh, what is he, 28? 28? Am I wrong? Where am I at? Where's Cal? Oh, Cali's been moved. He's on the other Cal. team. Kyle. He's, he's 30. He was, he's 30 years he's old? He's 30, yeah. Okay. So he's a little older. So that said, you know, three mil for a 30-year-old, you know, like, he's going to start tailing off at some point. You don't know when, but I, I mean, it, it definitely, the protected list, like I was telling you, it definitely spoke to me as like, we're protecting our future. Like, we are keeping these low contracts and we're keeping the youth movement and like they are embracing it now. They they have to almost. <laughs> I mean, they really have to. Well, you combine that with a potential selling mindset. You couple the two together and you could say, well, we're embracing the youth movement. Is that code word for we're in a rebuild sell off mode? I mean, the two pair very well together. Well, I mean, look right here on Cap Friendly, the draft picks that Preds have coming in tomorrow. Yeah, we have, we have eight picks. So we're going to get hopefully a lot of good talent coming up in this draft. Yeah, I, I mean, that was one of the biggest things is our pool of players was depleted a little bit. I mean, that was one of the reasons why we started doing some trades, but we have a ton now this year and next year. Um, I, I guess the biggest thing, looking at it too, we also have 28 mil in cap space sitting here. I mean, that's only 4 mil more than the Kraken right now after their expansion, which we'll go over here in just a brief minute, like how we feel about that and where they're at. But I mean, that said, like we've got some room to work with some free agents if we want. I mean, there, there's definitely room for some signings here. Yeah. Uh, I, now I love... we have, we do have to sign a few people like um, Soros has to get re-signed. He's taking probably Peck's salary. So you can immediately say that that's probably in the five to six mil range, you know, uh, for Soros. Um, you have Granlin in the wings. Granlin will probably command mm, maybe four to five. Uh, you have Halla as well. So they've been in discussions with all these players, and these are you know two players that probably need to get signed as well. Um, you're going to have I think Ellie Tolvanen's a restricted free agent, so they will need to do some sort of like you know show me deal for that one. So that said, there's a lot of a lot of smaller contracts that need to get worked out very soon. And I'm hoping in the next week or two, like those start trickling in. So we actually realize how much cap space we will have for another like key player. 
AKA, you know, like we're looking at the list here. There's some good ones out there. Well, Taylor Hall just is off the list now. So I mean, maybe Landeskog. Yeah. So I love how Kyle just like gently <laughs> just, to poke the bear. just pokes that bear in there because <laughs> there was a report from Elliot Freeman, which, you know, I mean, he, he kind of knows his stuff saying that he would not be surprised that GMDP is not done um, with trying to land a free agent. And then on top of that, he points that Landis Gog could be a potential match. Once again, I think this is a very small, smoldering smoke. This is not a fire yet. Like, people do not need to take with it, you know, and run with it. Um, that said, though, I mean, I would love to have Landis Gog, but I'm probably not going to want to pay that premium free agent price if that yeah, makes sense exactly uh, i do like the point of us having more cap space that creates the flexibility to really find out where your team is if if david Poyle goes out and gets landis gog i'm going to take that as a direct opposing view so you you just lost four players i'm taking that as a small cell rebuild uh, mindset then if you go back to back and couple that with buying landis gog at a premium price i think that's a conflict of identity and in team like where you're headed and i don't know that he would necessarily do that but it is very interested going forward because if he does make a move like that then that's a that's a big deal that would be the biggest move they've made and i think that would really lend a clue as to where what david poyle is thinking and where his head is going towards well you know he could always get a ryan Suter back you know Minnesota bought him out, right, Matt? Yes, and, and Dougie uh, Hamilton's per- a restri- restricted, unrestricted free agent this year too. Man, there's some, there are some crazy unrestricted it's a juicy, free. Uh, yeah, I mean, like, list this year. <laughs> Alexander Ovechkin's number one on the list. First of all, just knock it off, Kyle. He's resigning with Washington. Oh, I know. He's don't worry. Resign. Don't worry. Like no one's thinking he's going anywhere. Um, that said, the, I mean, like David Krejci. I mean, psh, you got some big time players up here. I, I, I mean. We'll see where where it you know it all pans out in the next couple of weeks. Um, once again, that was more or less a smaller like an inquiry. I'm going to say it's not a. So here's another interesting uh, idea: is that you have a massive free agent list this year. People like Ovechkin command a massive contract, but the problem is there's a flat cap. So I think there's going to be an interesting idea this year of maybe taking a bridge deal for some of these players and waiting for the cap to expand in two or three years and then locking in that high command, that high dollar that they actually command. See, wouldn't that be awesome, though, in the case of Landis Gog? So say he comes back and says, okay, well, I want, you know, well, he, he's probably won eight mil a year. Right, I mean, I think he's on like a five and a half. Five, so he's contract. probably wanting like a seven or eight mil a year. Well, if he approaches the Preds, I mean, if I'm GMDP, I'm like this. I'm like, oh yeah, we'll do like a year or two of for, that, for so, a seven yeah. or eight mil. That now that I would be on for. It. I'm not. I'm not talking long term. We've already gotten bit with two long term contracts. We've seen it, and I would hope that he understands that right now. So if if Landeskog is available and he wants some money. I guarantee you, like GMDP might be like, okay, you come over here for one year or two years, and we'll we'll hit you at you know seven five eight mil. We have the cap space, we can do it. And guess what? Having Landeskog for one to two years, that's pretty good, and he's still going to have pretty good production, and it gives him the incentive to keep working hard to get a bigger deal, probably with another team in two years. I, I mean, like, oh, absolutely. I, I think that would be ideal if it's a short term contract, kind of like a bridge deal, as as Matt was saying. But I will throw this out here too with the current preds list this is actually what the roster would kind of look like okay so potentially holla and granlin 
Those are still question marks, obviously, caveats, because we have not signed them. Goalies, we have Soros, and then whatever the backup's going to be. Either Connor uh, Ingram. Yeah, Connor Ingram's going to get first shot. Connor Ingram will get first shot, and then they're talking about maybe signing some sort of veteran because there are several veterans that are, you know, going to be unrestricted free agents. Defenseman is Yossi Carrier, Ekholm Fabro, Benning, and Myers, which is for our new pickup. That's pretty solid. Okay, like, that's actually a pretty solid defense defensive core, and I'm glad the... <laughs> You know, that Carrier and Fabro are finally going to hopefully make the team permanently because Carrier proved that he could uh, last year in the playoffs. Now, this is where it gets extremely interesting with the forwards. So, your top line could potentially be Forsberg, Johansson, Tolvanen, or any combination of, you know, Duchesne in there, too, because I can argue Duchesne was better, way better than Joey last year. Actually, all the metrics do point that Duchesne is better. But that said, at the same time, it's going to be hard to set your $8 million guy on the second line, but... Yeah. Well, they did. They're both $8 million guys. Oh, okay. So if know. anything, Duchesne will play wing, possibly. Yeah. So, oh, well, yeah. hold on. I've heard that. So, the next line would be Kunin, Duchesne, and Tomasino. Ooh, there's a name we haven't heard in a while. So, we have the young 19-year-old, actually, that will probably have a good shot at making, considering all of the people that we just lost... He has a excellent shot of making the team this year. Literally was lighting the league up in the AHL. Uh, I mean, killing it. So that said, Tomasino is a p- possible wild card for you, a 19-year-old. Then you have Cousins, Glass, and Grimaldi for a possible third line. That actually sounds fairly decent as yeah, far as production. because good. Grimaldi, I don't know why he got sat in the... In the it, that would still blows my mind because his production and metrics and everything and he was scoring goals too um and then our bottom line the herd line returns un untouched it's training systems Genoa slash olivier um so yeah i mean that said you actually have to look at that and be like okay i'm not too upset with that i, I mean you you're, first of all you're infusing it with youth already and then of course you have Granlin and holla so you're gonna have some injuries you know in there so they'll slot in at somewhere i mean but if you did really want to land one more that's my thing maybe one more big time restrict uh, unrestricted free agent signing would just be the cherry on top because you have a lot of youth there that's a lot that's a lot of young people i mean you're talking like multiple people under 23 24 Uh, i mean you have one that's almost going to hit 20 (laughs) 20 years old so that said that's a lot of youth, so I wouldn't mind signing one good veteran like Landeskog for a year or two just to kind of bolster it a little bit. I mean, you're looking at a fast, young, feisty team in that in that situation. I think the Preds are going to be taking on a new identity for sure. It is going to be faster and younger, and if you're going to bring in like the skill of a veteran, I think if I'm GM, I'm going to wait a few games. I'm going to maybe wait to the deadline to sign a big name. Uh, well, it depends on how fast these players go, but I don't think they're going very fast given uh, given the market. But just to kind of gauge where I'm at and then make a decision, but uh, it is definitely going to be a lot different roster moving forward. Did you agree with how the GMs handled the Seattle draft, though? Well, are you referring to the huge spoiler alerts that happened and made it extremely anticlimactic thanks to Frank Saravalli? Yeah, that was a massive letdown. Uh, you know, apparently... It, in 2017, it happened with Vegas as well. I just don't remember it being this blown out of proportion. This year, it was like everybody was excited, you know, and then Sarah Volley, every 10 minutes is a new tweet. So-and-so yeah. select and so-and-so. And it was everything was already determined ahead of time before the draft. And then you get to the draft and you have 
you have, I, you remember the SNL skit a couple of years ago where they have a guy who can't say the player's name and everybody thought it was hilarious. Well, they thought, I guess they took that idea and ran with it this year because they had like a bunch of, I don't know, a bunch of former professional players from the Seattle area who couldn't say players' names and they thought it was funny. And I, I don't <laughs> Marshawn know. Marshawn Lynch was trying to say Callie Yonkrock and he was like, uh. It's like a, the boy, boy, Callie. My boy, Callie. Just turns like, it around. Yeah. That guy's like, Yonkrock. Yonkrock. Yeah. <laughs> it's Yonkrock. Yeah. Kevin Weeks said him straight. He almost got uh, snubbed on the. Uh, yeah, thank thank God we have the actual ESPN analysts that know, yeah. you know, like to step in. But and then that, uh, the other guy who was wearing like a medium baby gap t-shirt. <laughs> yeah. And uh, he said, who was it? Jonas uh, Donskoy. And uh, he thought it was a joke. And I don't know. It just, as a viewer, I don't really see anybody. I, mean, I was I was trolling the Twitter and nobody really seemed to enjoy it. it. Half because it was all spoiled and half just the way it happened. It, well, here, here here's where I'm at. How do you think? Seattle did because honestly I don't think they d- did nearly as well as Vegas I'm going to give them like a C C minus so, I mean it, this was not a very good draft I thought for I'll them. actually grade them at a D because I mean I look at their lineup and it's still a D it, here, here's the deal it's an underrated lineup because if you look at actual the metrics and the people that got I mean they're getting like yarn crocs they're getting those value players but also at the same time too I think everyone called their bluff because they were asking for like a first, first and, and a third. third for like Jordan and all this stuff for like trades. And I think they were just like, yeah, no, take, take them. Like, don't care. And like all of them called their bluffs because I think as of right now, they've only made one trade. Vegas had made 10, 10 trades. I, I mean, so yeah, yeah. I, I, the way I think it works, they did a, the way it worked this year was Seattle commanded a very high insurance policy. So they would say, okay, Calgary, if you don't want us to take Giordano, we're going to command our asking price to not take players that are exposed as a first and a third. And it seems that nobody obliged to that. Now, we'll see a very interesting move with uh, somebody else later in the day that got traded for, for, for nothing and received a couple parts later. But it seemed that nobody was willing to pay that premium price. I don't know that I'd call it a bluff. I'd call it a guy who had a you know, an old man who really didn't want to sell what he had and, and was not going to take anything, any kind of lowball offers. But I, I would say the Kraken had a... But I would say the Kraken, what they really did was they retained maximum flexibility by intentionally choosing a bunch of noobs to, in order to gauge the market and use their cap space to their advantage. However, I understand the cap flexibility as being a goal. And it's an admirable one because you, the cap's not moving and you need the flexibility. However, Matt, if you're starting a franchise team and you find out that Montreal has Carey Price available, St. Louis has Tarasenko available, and you don't seriously consider taking either one of them? Because look, Bergevin basically said, from what I've read about Montreal, that Francis said, hey, Bergevin, give me a first and third, and I won't take Carey Price. He's like, no. Well, then I would have taken Carey Price, because I look at this list, and besides Giordano, I can't think of a single person on that team who can be considered a franchise player to build that team around. Well, the idea was that Montreal wanted to protect Jake Allen and left Carey Price exposed with the idea that they're not going to take him because he's kind of got a bit of an albatross contract. He's currently hurt as well. So they were like, oh, we'll leave him exposed because it's either we either value Jake Allen more and or we are also okay with getting rid of this big contract. Now, as a fan of Seattle, like we said, oh yeah, you know, cap flexibility is great. But what you gave me was a bunch of rookies with no names. And as a fan, 
look what Vegas did. We Vegas yeah. did. They went and got Mark Andre Fleury. That's a marquee man that just gave your team an identity. That's that's a guy who brings fans in the building. And that's what I was looking for for Seattle, they but no one. they didn't do that. And Carey Price, even though it might have been a slightly bad contract, that would have been a great guy to put on the map and say, here we are, we're Seattle, here's our guy. But it seems like every GM did that play where they exposed like, their high contracts. And that's the funny part is they knew that Seattle was going to play hardball with the picks. And they also knew that they were kind of prioritizing cap space. So they exposed all these high ones and then hardly any of the high ones got picked yeah. and that's the funny part is they'd almost it's almost gone back against them now that said they got like i think what 30 mil in cap space so to matt's point they need to sign one or two marquee players with that cap space i'm sorry they have to like they, they have a, a decent lineup i think it's underrated it might even be a top 15 given the right circumstances and given good coaching that said, they need to sign one or two marquee players to get people in the door. Um, that that's that's where I'm at. I just it was very underwhelming considering because they had a lot of options. They had a ton of options. I mean, like literally, we were looking at the projection list the the day before, and just looking at it, you were like, "Oh my lord! Like this is this is unreal!" Like I, the amount of players that were available this year too were almost as favorable as the Vegas one too. I mean, they, they had their pick. They, they could have picked them if they wanted, but that said, they, they kind of went a different route. It was a totally different strategy than Vegas. Totally different strategy. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if it's going to pan out though. Like, I, I view their, their decisions much like the rest of the draft is, is fairly anticlimactic. They didn't give me a marquee guy. They didn't spend any, you know, big names out there. So the biggest name on the list, as we mentioned is Giordano. He's like an 8 million guy. But the problem is he's played uh, 16 years, I think it is. He's only played for Calgary. So he's your big dog. But the problem is, so Vegas, I believe the first year, didn't name anybody captain. They waited till the next year to see who they were, where they're at, what have you. If if Seattle does the same thing and waits a year, then you've got Giordano on his 17th year. And there's no, players don't play 20 years anymore. I would be surprised if Giordano plays one or two more. So you remember how I said I hate, I'm glad Pecorine finishes career with Nashville because there's a, been a massive trend in the last 15, 20 years of players playing their entire year, your career one place, and then they get traded their last year, and then they call it quits after that. And I really envision Giordano is filling that role, played 16 with one team, come over, got traded. Now he realizes he's done. He's going to retire. So you can't get, even if it's not this year, even if it's the next year, even if he plays 18 years, which would be remarkable, how can you give your captaincy to a guy who's going to be there for one year? I mean, maybe you do. Like I said, we are desperate as a fan. I'm in desperate need of wanting a marquee guy to to label your franchise. But can I, in good conscious faith, give it to him knowing he's going to be gone in one year? I don't know that I can do that. Yeah, I mean, they got Brandon Tanev, um, Colin Blackwell. That's a good pickup. Low key, by the way. Like like I said, there's a very bunch of underrated players on this list. Uh, Jordan Eberle was probably one of my favorite picks that they had. Um, that is someone who was on the rise and that one definitely hurt, uh, the Islanders losing him. I felt that was like a very solid pick. Um, Yanni Gord, that's more of a veteran presence. I thought he can't play till possibly November though. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see. Um, that said though, I mean, I, I feel like that's a decent pick. Um, Chris Drager was also, he had solid numbers as far as goalie. So 
looking at his goaltending numbers, I think they're actually going to have like a decent team. Like honestly, I mean, they're very well rounded. I'll give them that. But there's no star player for sure. He was he was out of all the players. I'd say he was the most expected. Everybody knew they were going to go with Drieger because he was like sitting as the number three spot in Florida and never got picked, and and he had good numbers. So yeah, everybody number. knew Seattle was going to take him, and you know, so. That yeah. one was expected, at least. And apparently, he's signing like a three-year, three-and-a-half-mil deal. So that's, I mean, very bargain for a starting goaltender. So, like, he he's going to do just fine. But I did expect, I will say today, so today was, uh, was it yesterday? Yesterday was the draft, and today was when the trades got announced at 1 p.m. And since we mentioned they did not draft a marquee guy, I thought today, you know, like you said, Kyle, Vegas had 10 moves the next day. Seattle has one. one. I would have thought for sure they would have, were going to have that marquee guy come in the next day. Once teams have been settled and figure out where they're at, okay, now we're, we've got the flexibility. We know we're standing so we can make we can make that move. I thought Seattle for sure was going to bring in one of those big names. Do you but, know what the move was? I mean, it, it's pretty crazy. It was only it was Tyler Pitlick. So, uh, cousin of Rem Pitlick on our team, he gets dealt from the Kraken in the shortest stint ever with the team. Um, probably just a few hours. Had a cup to, of coffee with him, yeah, as they say. Yeah, to Calgary for a 2022 fourth round pick. That is all they have done so far. Yeah. it's It's been very underwhelming. Like, I, I mean, I, and honestly, some of the other bigger things that have happened have been like larger trades with other teams. I mean, like if you think about it, like there was a big time trade with Philly and the Coyotes. I mean, here here's Matt's one of Matt's favorite teams yeah, getting Shane Gostisbehere. Yeah, this is what I mentioned earlier. I don't understand this at all. Gostisbehere <laughs> plus a second and a seventh round for free. Gostisbehere is like I know he's making more than three and a half mil, more than that. 4. I believe five, four point five. I mean, I don't know. Call it, it better. I guess it's better than a buyout if you wanted to get rid of him. I, I don't know. But uh, you got a guy to take the contract for you, as opposed to having to pay it out of out of your pocket. But I don't know. I, I, I thought there there has to be something under yeah, the table up, in this. Yeah, pull up cap for because, Philly because I'm very curious as to where how tight are they. Even if you're getting rid of Gossespierre, why do the draft picks factor into the equation? You're giving them a player that they want, or they wouldn't have signed them. So why the addition of the picks? I, there has to be something more to the story. So they're showing 13.8 million cap space, but Kyle, who's their unrestricted free agents are, are coming up like that they need to sign? I mean, it doesn't look like they have a tongue. Scroll down. I mean, they took on Ryan. Oh, oh, goalies. Okay. Now it makes a little bit more sense. I mean, no. So, but still Carter, like... Carter Hart's their guy. But wouldn't, you be able to get, but wouldn't you be able to get two goalies? I mean, for... I mean, you would feel like nine to nine mil. I mean, two goalies should be nine mil, right? So let's see. Yeah, they don't it, this year. They don't have anybody but what one goalie. They have yeah. three goalies. I'm sorry, so I mean, as being un, uh, UFA. So they took Ryan Ellis's contract, which was big, and then they dumped another four and a half for Ryan Gossespierre. I guess assuming because they're gonna have to sign two goalies. But that said. I mean, it shouldn't take more than nine mil to sign. Yeah, that's only that's your like, first. And the second other goalie stringer. is a joke, though. That's just one goalie. Your yeah. main goalie is is RFA. You've got him know. covered. I don't know. It's it's, it's a kind of a head scratcher. I'd like to hear an insider give us some more uh, depth into that. Well, but, there's been another head scratcher too because um, Iserman kind yes. of just fleeced. I mean, like when this was announced. I was trying, like, I was trying to think of some, like, con. You know, like, even even Matt over here, he's a Red Wings fan. So, he's sitting there trying to think of some, like, you know, like, okay, what was the loss for the Red Wings? Honestly, there's none. Like, 
This is absolutely ridiculous. The setup too is hilarious to me because the Hurricanes don't have a goaltender really under contract right now. Like they they don't still with this deal. So they dealt um, Nedeljkovic, which we're going to call him Ned for the rest of the show. Um, Sorry, Matt. Well, half the people couldn't spell it right. I actually said it right, too. So it's Actually, like, what I was referring to, I couldn't spell Drieger. I forget there's a D in yeah, there or, yeah. or, or G or something. Um, this is bizarre to me because basically he went to them and was saying, okay, I want like, you know, maybe like four or five mil. And then they were like, no, we want well, one It was less than that. Five. So he, he was at the asking price was three and a half, I believe. And then they only offered him 1.5. 1. 1. So I, I understand the frustration and his, all right, screw it. Then I'm going somewhere else. But, like, the funny part is, he goes to the Red Wings. They trade goalies, essentially. So they get, what, uh, oh, they haven't even signed him yet, have they? Have, have the no, Hurricanes signed him? No, Hurricanes haven't signed nobody yet. Yeah, so that's the deal. So they, they basically flip it over um, for Jonathan Bernier and a 2021 20, third-round pick. And then the Red Wings get Nadelkovich. And sign him for two years at three mil, an absolute bargain yeah. for the numbers he was putting up. And first of all, it's not even a long-term contract, so there's like not really a huge risk for the Red Wings. And then on top of it, they send over Bernier, who does it. He's an unrestricted free agent too. So guess what? They still have to sign him. If they sign him for anywhere, three million plus, I think the Carolina fans are going to burn it now because literally, like. Every single Carolina fan online, like our friends at Revolution Park, they literally could not believe this deal happened. Like, I would be infuriating, like, if this were something the Preds did. No, nobody, nobody thought this was a good deal. Everybody on Twitter thought this was a, this was a massive fleecing by Arzeman. Not only is uh, Bernier a UFA Nadelkovich had great numbers, even better than Drieger last year, actually. Yes. He was like a third place, in, fourth last year in goal save above above expected, according to Mike Kelly. Who was the hottest two goaltenders going in the last two months? It was Soros, number one, Nadelkovich, number two. killed it last year. And then he's also younger. I mean, this is a steal, bro. And I think even Irishman, somebody got a quote on Irishman. Oh, yeah. He said... Uh, it's so good. I got it. I got it right here because I sent it to you guys in the text because I was laughing so hard because he he didn't care and literally like the quote was when asked about the trade you're gonna have to ask them why they were comfortable doing that <laughs> well i've heard it i've heard it said that carolina is always been historically cheap in net yes yeah. but guess what that was th- this that's is not the, the guy i was gonna let go that's though not, for for three and a half million it's not like you're talking to carry price uh contract here this, this. But, yeah, but the, the, here's the deal. Like Carolina's one big question mark was goaltender the last several years. And guess what? They had him there. They literally, all they had to do was sign him. And guess what? You're golden for the next couple of years. And then you can start building around your other key players. Like Carolina would be a legit cup contender with, with Ned. Yeah, they were one of the numbers. best teams yeah, last year. Yeah. If, if Ned's putting up those types of numbers and then you continue to build that roster around him, it's crazy. You have 20. What did you just pull up? 29, 29 million? million. 29 million. And they wouldn't pay 3 million for a goaltender, a starting goal. 3 million for a starting goaltender. It may be for the fact that look how many UFAs yes. they've now, got. You got Dougie and you have uh, Svenstikov, which he's going to command probably a pretty penny, uh, the young in there. That said, I, I mean, yeah, yeah I know. This, you, 
I know you got a lot of signing to do, but I'm sorry, three, three, three and a half mil for a good quality starting goaltender is nothing. Yeah, what? now they're stuck with three and, mediums. And now they're stuck with whatever. I mean, even Mrazek, sorry, man. You know, it's I mean, right. like he's older. Like, yeah. I mean, like you're talking. Bernier, talk- Reimer, and Mrazek. That's like, who's what your starter? What I don't get is, was the $500,000 really that big of a deal? Well, it wasn't even, they weren't even willing to come up that high, though. It, they were so, at like 1.5. Yeah, okay, they they sorry, they 1. took 5. them in half. 1.5. Like, is it really that big of a deal? Yeah. So you're, you're, you're off by like $2 million. Whoop de doo. You got 29. And that's your, that was your best player last year, <laughs> yeah. honestly. I can think of, I can't think of more than two people who were more important to Aho Carolina. And Aho and I don't Hamilton. Know. Uh, maybe, yeah, the two or three, and he was definitely one of the most important players to that team. I, I don't get it. So I don't get sure, it. Oh, all of his metrics. Man. If you look at the comparables of uh, comparables for signings for goalies, he was going to command three and a half as he should have. So whatever, get pissed off, lowball him on price, ship him to Detroit, and Detroit will sign him at a discount. So that's great for a Red Wings fan. And I've heard it said around the league that GMs are like, I don't even know why we answer when Eiserman calls because we know you're going to get screwed over. Eiserman is the best GM in the league. But, like, but I still don't understand. Like he literally even admitted after he's like, I don't know why, like kind of almost like, I don't know why they took that deal. Yeah. I mean, like, it really I, I, sounds like he just was like, Hey, let me just pick up the phone and just call and just randomly call and let's see what happens. And he's like surprised that they actually took it. Yeah, this one I'm I'm <clears throat> it is definitely a head scratcher. I'm struggling to see what the upside was. I mean, maybe a little bit of cap space. No, I don't know. But I think I call it cheaping out. You're just you were a penny pincher he, and here's uh, the deal. Who are you gonna sign and how much? And I I guarantee you, as soon as they sign that person, the Carolina fans are going to be livid. They're going to be irate. I wonder how much of influence the owners have on this though, because Tom Dundon is now the sole owner of the Hurricanes. I, I don't know, but at some point you have to look at this and be like, I, I, this makes no sense. I mean, no sense whatsoever. Like no one saw this one coming too. Like this was, this was probably one of the worst lopsided trades I can remember in, in the last five years. Seriously. Like, I mean, can you guys name another one? Like I, I can't. What I want to see happen is every time Detroit plays Carolina, I want to see Ned and Net. I want to see him stonewall them the entire time. Yeah. They're going to call us the, the Ned Wings now, Kyle. Did you hear that? The Ned Wings, baby. I actually like that. It could be worse for sure. And as I'm going down through the notes I have here, one thing I see we've yet to talk about is the Outdoor Stadium Series and Nashville got awarded this year. Yeah, so this has been a long time coming. Um, we will be facing the Champa Bay Lightning. You like that? like that, Matt? Champa <laughs> Bay Lightning? Yes. Uh, um, that said, uh, I'm super excited for this. It is going to be at Nissan Stadium on that field, and there's going to be, you know, 60-something plus thousand fans, and there's going to be a tailgate, and apparently, uh, from what Poyle said, he's like, Sean Henry's got some stuff planned. They're probably going to turn it into a full weekend in Nashville with tailgating and some, like, really cool ice experiences where basically they transform, like, some stuff from Bridgestone, maybe, like, through the... Uh, basically from Bridgestone all the way to Nissan Stadium. You know, they have the pedestrian bridge there. So there's going to be like some fun interactive stuff. I I, I think it's going to be a great event for Nashville. Nashville does well at events. Like we just do. Like, sorry, we just, we're good at it. So Anything I, to get those stupid um, party buses off Broadway. Yeah, well, they'll probably block off probably some Broadway. I guarantee it for this. But it seems like it's going to be turned into a, definitely like a weekend event. 
It's going to be incredible. I cannot wait to attend. I was unable to attend the Winter Classic. This said, having an outdoor series in Nashville, it's going to be incredible. I'm sure all of us will probably attend this. I would like to go sure. as a group. Um, it'll be a fun weekend. And no Red Wings jersey, Matt. No, no, no way, bro. No, this is this is event. I think Matt can get. Yeah, you know, I love the watch parties we did here a couple years ago. Oh yeah, on the lawn. Yeah, in Nashville, Nashville is, is an exciting town to do stuff like this. It's just probably why, in part, the league finally decided to give Nashville uh, the nod on this one. So it's going to be an exciting event for sure. Yeah, and there's going to be no shortage of tailgating. Yeah. I, I believe me for this event. I think it is going to be like I said. I'm not on record. And I don't think anything official has been stated, but I guarantee you it will turn into a a full weekend. Um, but yeah, I'm just count me there already. This is going to be a fantastic event for Nashville, and I'm super excited that we finally got you know awarded one, and it's in our backyard. Like this is very cool, like very cool. So Matt, let's get ready to close this down. Instead of doing stats or anything, because this is essentially our last episode, so we close it down for the season. How do you think Nashville's going to do next season? I think this is going to be the most the most interesting year in a while. Nashville really has not had <clears throat> to struggle with identity so much as they are next year. So it's going to be, I'm always intrigued by the direction Poyle. I say it's going to be a slight sell. Poyle calls it a competitive rebuild. We'll see where that actually lands in reality as opposed to just kind of giving lip service. It's yet to be determined. I uh, I think Nashville is still going to be competitive, but I think we're going to be slightly rebuilding. I, I think that's going to be true. They're going to be slightly less competitive uh, than they have been in previous years, and they're going to take a couple years to have to redefine their identity. But it's exciting. I mean, it's change is is a little tough, especially for the players. But uh, it's exciting as a fan, at least. Do you think they're going to make the playoffs? Uh, no, I do not. Wait, well, do we know the current like like? basically division construct are they staying the same everything's going back to normal oh well that's interesting because then that means tampa and, and the hurricanes are out of our division that's true so you're telling me there's a chance if chicago sucks detroit will be back in uh, central too so and we're getting oh. uh, arizona that is right oh my so things so might be there a might more, actually uh, yeah so I don't know. I, this this year is definitely a question mark. I mean, as Matt alluded to, you have, you know, you're kind of stating it's a rebuild, but at the same time, too, you're definitely injecting the lineup with a lot of that youth movement that we were promised last year. So it's very, it's it's almost like it delayed a year. Seriously. It, it really did um, because of the run we went on to basically make it to the playoffs. That said, there's going to be some growing pains. So I don't want to see people complaining if we come out the gate and struggle, especially the first 20, 25 games. It could be really rough, okay? You have a lot of young players on this team. Now, that said, the ceiling is quite high. Like, you could start very low and end up at a very, you know, good place at the end of the year. And potentially with the realignment, you know, you get some other teams that aren't doing well as well. You could make the playoffs still and keep that streak going. That said, I don't think that's the ultimate goal. I think the ultimate goal for next season would be to allow the youth to develop like seriously like play them please don't juggle the lines okay like i'm sorry like we we were in like a blender last year at one point okay granted we had a ton of injuries at one point that said just just allow for you know 
some cohesiveness to start forming and then maybe sign like a few of our restricted free agents coming. Like I said, uh, the unrestricted free agents like Hala, uh, Grandland, and then maybe one larger one like Landis Gog would be the cherry on top for me personally. Um, that said, they don't have to do that to like get me on board. Like I said, just keep plugging the youth in and letting them develop. That is the key for this team. If you want this team to be really competitive in the next two, three years, you need to do that. So I'm okay with having growing pains this next season. And you're okay with missing the playoffs. I'm, yes, I was okay with missing the playoffs. Kyle, we had a 2% chance of making the playoffs. It was a miracle we made the playoffs last year. Uh, it was an absolute... If, Star, if Saros does not pull off what is possibly the best three-month stretch in goaltending for hockey, we don't make the playoffs. So, so that said, I had zero hopes of playoffs last year, and we somehow made it. I do not have hopes for playoffs this year, and if they make it, congratulations. You made it with a very young team, which is very exciting. If you make the playoffs this season and you're still able to keep all these youth in there, that is very comforting because in the next three years, you could see this team turn into a definitely playoff like championship caliber team, but it, it is going to take that time, like I said, of developing those younger players. I'm okay with growing pains, though, and I just want to state it, and I don't want to hear it on Twitter. I don't want to see it on Twitter. I'm the same way. I think the team is going to have growing pains, and I don't think we'll make the playoffs, but I'm not going to expound on what you guys already said because you guys both said it very well. So, Well, uh, not to end on a down note, Kyle, I do have a bit of a surprise that's been teasing for a couple weeks now. Uh, So as we know, every year we do what we call the money puck, which is a a what do you call it a bracket challenge where all of us get in and we we pick our lineup for the playoffs and see who's going to win i think i've beaten kyle two years in a row not a big deal so uh kyle (laughs) subtle subtle jab again (laughs) subtle flex did not win this year but i thought uh, instead of putting a little bit of money under the money puck uh we're going to step it up a notch and we're going to put some more bragging rights on the line so this year i have created uh something that i will show you guys Oh, look at this. This is an official uh, box. Do I need to turn the light on? It doesn't matter. I'm going to turn it on. All right. Yes, what all the YouTube content's for. So this year, (laughs) I've created a... Oh, there it is. A Gordy Award for the Bracket Challenge winner. So every year going forward, whoever wins the bracket will get their own engraved uh, hockey puck uh, trophy. It's got our logo on it. It's got, uh, this one says 2021 Gordy Award winner, Bracket Challenge. This year happened to be my wife. I think she bested us again. I think it was a year or two ago. So whatever secret sauce she is, uh, she's got it. So this year, unfortunately, it's got to go to our wife and not one, my wife and not one of us. But uh, every year we're going to start doing this and it's going to put a little more bragging rights uh, on the line for us. You know what's funny is like, I was thinking about doing something like this too, of like opening up for fans. So I'm glad like you've, you've stepped it up. So it might be like something that we expand it to everybody or whatnot. This is a fun idea. So we'll we'll definitely have to post a picture of this when the episode comes out so people can see this. Yeah, I got a good It's got our logo. So, I mean, did you make that yourself? No, I, uh, yeah, yeah, I had a company do it for us, but yeah, it's, it's a hockey puck, uh, crystal trophy with our logo. So every year, the Gordy Award, of course, you know, Gordy for, personally, is my dog's name. So I thought it kind of, Gordy is kind of like our mascot now. He had to subtly get a, yeah. <laughs> my a dog. Red Wings. Yeah, and it's a Red Wings <laughs> so, name. Subtle, so. Red Wing, subtle Red Wing <laughs> plug there. But I will say the quality on the, that's impressive. Like, look at that. 
Yeah. That's actually, that turned out great. It's a bit of a showpiece, so I think it's going to be bragging rights from here on out. Hand it over to Kyle. (laughs) (laughs) There you go, Kyle. You're never going to actually hoist that one, but it's okay. (laughs) It's actually quite heavy. That's right. So good. That is very cool. Yeah, so we'll definitely be up in the ante every single year now. Um, Once again, I'll never repeat my 2017 bracket, but yeah. Never again. And maybe next year, Matt. My name will be on this. It may be, Kyle. We'll <laughs> see, One can buddy. dream. Yep. One can dream. But guys, this is going to close it up for the season. I know in a couple of months, we'll be right back because it's a short and off season. But I just want to say, everybody who's listened to us for this whole season, thank you so much. We really appreciate it. Myself, Daniel, and Matt, and our lovely wives and soon-to-be wife have yeah. been... Oh my goodness, that's coming up soon. I know, too. you're about to get married. <laughs> They've been very supportive of us for what we do. Especially taking an hour of their time about every couple of weeks. It's more than an hour, but I mean. Well, for me, because I have to do all the editing, so. Yeah, I know. That's what I'm saying. But guys, if you like the show, you can find us at Music City Gold on iTunes, or you can find us on iTunes at Penalty Box Radio. We're part of their feed. Until next time, guys, we will see you on the ice. You've been listening to Music City Gold on the Penalty Box Radio Network. We'd love to interact with you on Twitter. The show can be found at Music City Gold. You can find Kyle at Kyle Hancock, Daniel at Steve Dan Drum, and Matt at MattBain31. Past episodes of the show can be found by subscribing to Music City Gold or Penalty Box Radio on iTunes or at PenaltyBoxRadio.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you on the ice.